Hi, this is Paula. And I'm Joseph, and you're listening to Life Lived Better. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Life Lived Better. I'm so glad for everyone to be here today. Joseph, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. It's been a busy week, which is always good. Busy weekend. Um, had something going on every night this past weekend, so that was that was busy and good, exciting. Got to see a bunch of friends, and so yeah, it was nice. How about you? Um, good. Same here. Busy every single day and many evenings. Did a little traveling this weekend and got to see the got my goddaughter. Good to see her. Hadn't seen her since she was sick when she left my house during the holidays. Oh, exciting nice. to see her. We went and spent the day with her. Had lunch. One of those beautiful area, that new area of Waco where the Magnolia uh, Company is and everything. And mm-hmm. did a little girl's day and did flower girl dress hunting. And we found her the perfect little dress. So Aww. looking forward to that. We're six months away from the wedding. Wow. Six months Man. on Saturday. Wow. It's exciting. It is. It seems like because uh, we started planning so long ago, it just didn't just go and buy so fast, just like time mm-hmm. does. Yeah, this is true. Well, I'm excited about today's topic. We actually, um, someone asked us or recommended this topic to us. So that's always exciting, which I don't know if people know how to get in touch with us. If they have topic ideas, where can they send information or ideas to? You can email us at info at lifelivebetter.net. Um, you can also message us on any of the socials, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. We'd love to have your suggestions. Maybe if you didn't know, we had social media out there. We've got it on just about every platform there is. So go interact with us. And if you don't uh, mind, rate and review the podcast. You know, that always helps us get out to more people. Yeah, and share it with all your friends and family. Yeah, I think we forget to ask people to do that. But if it's beneficial to you, why not share it? Absolutely. So our topics today, healthy parenting styles. We so often in our episodes discuss the impact of, of, of childhood on who we are as an adult. So why not devote a little uh, time to discussing the topic of healthy parenting styles? What is, you know, a healthy parenting style? Yeah, I think we all have a pretty good understanding of what's not healthy. <laughs> we certainly do. And do you know so that understanding what is healthy exactly. is important? That's always important instead of just focusing on the problem. And, right. and I was, I don't know, this kind of shocked me whenever I was doing the research for this episode. Did you, did you know that 89.6% of the adult population worldwide are parents? That's a lot. That is a lot. Yeah, but I feel like even if you aren't a parent, there's a lot to benefit from this information. I mean, just better understand how you were parented, how to deal with people who were parented differently, and just anything you might want to get out of who you are because of how you were parented. I think you can gain from this information. Absolutely. And I think this is information too that comes in very handy in relationships. Like you mentioned, when you're dealing with someone else, that oftentimes we end up with people that are parented very differently than we are. And so understanding that and kind of understanding where some of those behaviors come from can be really helpful in communicating and just problem resolving. 
I agree. And, and I know that, you know, despite what Freud said, not everything wrong in our life can be blamed on our parents, <laughs> you know, but it's true that our caregivers approach to parenting really does have a direct influence on who we are as an adult and, and on the relationships we have and even the decisions that we make. Mm-hmm. Now what is it they adults, say? It's, if it's not one thing, it's your mother. Yes. Can't can't spell smother without mother. Yes. yes. I used to say that to my mom all the time, and then I became a mom, and it wasn't so funny. <laughs> okay, well, let's take a look at these parenting styles. So there are four major parenting styles that we'll be talking about uh, in this episode. Three of those were identified in the 1960s by Diana Bomrand. And the fourth was added later. Those four styles are authoritarian, neglectful, indulgent, and authoritative. Um, each parenting style takes on a different approach uh, to raising kids. Uh, each have pros and cons. Uh, they have different characteristics, which we'll kind of get into. Uh, and the truth is there's not one right or wrong way to raise a child, but most experts, including the American Academy of Pediatrics, that's a real thing, <laughs> recommend using the authoritative style. So let's break them down. Well, let's let's first with st style one, see if any of these statements sound familiar to you. So children should be seen and not heard. When it comes to rules, your belief is my way or the highway. <laughs> and children's feelings should not be taken into consideration when you're making decisions. So if any of those statements ring true to you as how you were parented or how you might be parenting, you might be an authoritarian style parent. An authoritarian parent asserts a high level of control over their children. Uh, their children are, are good at following instructions and behave well because they grow up in fear of being punished. So, you know, the fear of being punished and, and behaving appropriately is not necessarily teaching a lesson. Uh, mm -hmm. your, your parents under this kind of style typically set and adhere to really strict rules. They have high standards. They're not flexible. And children growing up under this style of parenting may not even know what some of the rules are until they're being punished for breaking them. And their authoritarian parents are more likely to use corporal punishment, which means they spank. Mm -hmm. And authoritarian parents often say, because I said so, as the reason, if a child is even brave enough to ask why. And they're not interested in negotiating with their children. They would rather punish than discipline. And they make kids feel sorry for their mistakes. One of the things we ran through in this episode is a mealtime example, just because many families, you know, have mealtimes. So that seemed like a, like a real common area to talk about as an example for each parenting style. So an authoritarian style parent for a mealtime, the rules are enforced during mealtimes. The children are usually required to eat the same meal as everyone else and finish all the food on their plate. And these parents are unlikely to talk about food, to talk about what foods are healthy and, and you know, how food relates to their culture, have kind of conversations about that with their children. They just serve the food and expect the kill children to be grateful and to eat it. Children living in this style of parenting probably struggle socially and they're more likely to become authoritarian parents themselves. Like I said earlier, they follow the rules, but they're often hostile or aggressive, you know, outside of the house. 
they may be causing some trouble at school and children may get good at being dishonest so they can avoid being punished. And they have little experience for making any of their own decisions. So they have a difficult time as a, a, an adult knowing how to make their own decisions. And at some point, these children probably will become aggressive or rebellious because this parenting style leaves children vulnerable to emotional abuse by partners, by employers, and, and other people in their adulthood. So it's a great way to keep, for the parents to keep the household doing what they want it to do, but it's not a real good Petri dish to allow children to learn how to make decisions and behave their own way outside of the home. Yeah, it sounds like in that situation, like you're, you would be very decision impaired and probably scared to make decisions based on kind of those, those things that you experienced as a child. And it's so, you know, we jokingly said, you can't blame everything on your childhood, but a lot of this stuff you know, trickles into our adult life if we don't recognize it and figure out how to change it. Some of these messages just get stuck and mm -hmm. kind of get stuck on repeat in our heads. And so we make choices based on the messages instead of based on kind of the current event, the situation that you're dealing with mm -hmm. right then and there. Well, and if you're having trouble, if you've never gotten to make decisions, I think you're going to struggle longer into your adulthood when you're in a situation where you have to make the decisions and you don't mm -hmm. know how. I think it's going to kind of um, push back your development where you're going to have to struggle while you're an adult in decision-making. Right. I know in my household, I feel like I make all of the decisions. And sometimes I just, I jokingly say I'm decision impaired. Like I can't do it anymore. You have to decide what we're having for dinner because it's really not that important. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, also if you end up with someone who kind of gives you messages like that, it's important to look at it and, and look at, you know, is this something that I'm not aware of that I'm struggling with? Um, if you get told like you never make a decision or why are you why is it so difficult for you to decide things like that's a sign that that's something that needs to be addressed and looked at that's interesting a moment ago when you and I were in conversation I heard you say J you just decide you know you just you just decide <laughs> yeah. because I often will tell other people to decide you know and, mm -hmm. and I'm sure it is similar to this reason you know and that yeah. happens in treatment too with addiction it, depending on the style of treatment we give People can abide by the rules, like in prison, people can mm -hmm. abide by all the rules and regulations, but that doesn't mean there's a behavior change taking place. Right. So you right. allow people who are changing to learn to make their own decisions. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, I'm interested to see what the next style is. So the style number two, you might hear some of these statements. You don't ask your child about school or homework, just not invested in that at all. You usually do not know where your child is or who they spend their time with. Just definitely not a helicopter parent. <laughs> uh, you don't spend a lot of time with your child. So all of these are, you know, neglectful and uninvolved style parenting, basically. So the parents just don't really participate in their kids. Maybe they're working all the time and the kids kind of left at home raising themselves. And the parent just doesn't have a lot of time and energy left to be involved. So neglectful parents are also referred to as uninvolved, disengaged parents. They take on limited parenting roles. They may not spend as much time as other parents having conversations with or playing with their children. They expect their children to raise themselves. There are not many rules in the household, so just kind of 
you know, I, when I think of that one, I think of like, I knew kids growing up that their parents were really absent and they, you know, they were the kids that had like house parties and, you know, everybody kind of hung out at their house because there was no real consequence to the, to doing so by the parents. So, um, children in these households do not receive much guidance from their parents to seems pretty obvious. They don't devote much of their time into meeting the basic needs of their children. They likely do not set household rules. You know, what's what it comes to mind, I think of latchkey kids. That was a mm-hmm. term back in my day. But also some parents aren't doing this just because they don't want to parent. Sometimes if it's like a single parent household or mm-hmm. sometimes parents are just working so much. It's not that they don't want to be there. It's just that they aren't. Yeah. And it's important to remember that not all uninvolved parents do so intentionally, right? maybe just have health issues or they have substance abuse, mental health issues, um, different things like that, that they just are not able to take care of their child's regular basic kind of needs. They're just uninvolved parents that lack the knowledge of child development and parenting. So they're oftentimes not aware that they're doing it, but it's just something that, again, could have been learned or has just been based on one of those examples that I just gave. Sometimes these parents are simply just overwhelmed by the problems in their own life like paying bills and managing the household. It's a lot of responsibility. And their children just kind of get lost in that. I don't know sometimes before people have children, if they realize how difficult parenting <laughs> is. I mean, it's yes. on top of all the adulting that throw mm-hmm. that on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, our mealtime example is neglect for uninvolved parents may not buy groceries or plan meals consistently. So children going growing up under that style may have concerns about when they're able to eat again. They may worry about when the next meal is, how they may have to learn how to cook, how to take care of themselves, things like that. Or they may be expected to take care of the family by cooking or providing meals. Um, this can cause them to become preoccupied about food, which may lead them to overeat when they do have food because they're is such a fear of not having food or not knowing when the next not knowing when the next meal is going to happen. I hear in some of the times when we hear something go awry in a in a person's life and a child is taken by child protective services or something that where teachers will say like they're stealing other kids' lunches or they're hoarding food and mm-hmm. stuff. That would probably fall into this. The impact on children that grow up in this environment often resist rules um, outside of the house and have difficult times with self-control and self-esteem. They haven't really had that modeled for them. Children growing up under this parenting style tend to perform poorly in school and exhibit a lot of behavioral problems. And they also typically rank lower in overall happiness. So they Mm. may struggle with, you know, some sadness and depression. They typically have an easier time leaving home, though, when it's time to go. That's interesting. I guess so. They're ready to get the heck out of there. (laughs) They want some stability. And that's one thing, I mean, when you're talking about parenting, one of the most important things I think is stability. Like kids need stability. They need discipline. They need appropriate discipline. Like they need rules. They need, you know, just that consistency in order to thrive. That's why children who have real rigid or very relaxed parents do better than the inconsistent parenting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. These are very interesting. I'm hearing uh, things that I think that may be where I was parented in both of these. So I guess Mm -hmm. we have to look at which one was it the most, I guess. Right. All right. Well, let's look at style three. If any of these statements sound familiar to you, you may be parenting this way or maybe you were parented this way. So indulgent or permissive parents are usually attentive, 
and warm, but they usually don't set many rules for their children. They, they value being friends with their children over being a parent of their children. And they're actively involved in their children's emotional well-being, but they have real low expectations and rarely discipline. And they let their kids make their own choices. But when they things don't go well for their kids, they'll bail them out if they make a bad choice or a negative choice. And permissive parents try to control their children's environment so the child doesn't have to experience rejection or failure. So they're kind of setting them up for not having any hurt in their life. And I get mm -hmm. wanting to do that. It's not yeah. helpful. I see the, the friends thing often um, dealing with kind of unhealthy adults and talking about childhood parenting. And oftentimes I hear that, that, you know, my, my mom or my dad was more interested in, you know, being my equal, being my friend and hanging out with my friends when they came over and just really kind of involved in things that they shouldn't have been involved in. Mm -hmm. It kind of surprised me on the, on them being invested in their child's emotional well-being though, because I don't think of that when I think of a parent that's more interested in being a friend. Just those two things seem separate to me. Mm -hmm. I wonder if that's more about like they want them to be happy. Maybe. You know, Maybe. instead of ever feel sad. That's that's a tough one. Yeah. I, I'm way up caught up in my own parenting thoughts right now. <laughs> trying to so a mealtime example here is that the permissive parent allows the child to decide what they want to eat, even if that means the parent has to make an additional or special meal for the child. I've mm. heard this before. I've actually yes. heard a parent saying, well, they don't really like this. So this is what the family's eating and we'll let them have a yogurt. And that's going to develop a lot of picky eating in the child. And a lot of times children don't make healthy dietary choices. So they're going to have unhealthy dietary choices. And especially as it is associates with like fruits and vegetables, kids aren't going to eat those on their own. It's mm -hmm. not going to pick that. And there's going to be a lot of inexperience in trying new things uh, and experiencing the experience of, of going with the flow even is going to be difficult for these children when they're in social settings that involve food, mm -hmm. or even with their friends. I have like a, a memory. Uh, I don't have a ton of memories of my childhood, but one of the memories I have was visiting my biological father and him insisting that we all sit at the table and eat this meal together. Um, one of the things being served were peas. <laughs> I, as a kid, didn't eat peas. I had never been forced to eat peas. He basically told me, you know, you sit at this table until you finish this plate of food. And it was a battle of the wills. Like I was not eating those peas. He was not about letting me get up from that table until they were gone. And eventually my stepmom had to step in and just be like, Mike, you're being ridiculous. Like, let him come and join us. We're leaving. You know, this is silly. And um, I, that is like burned into my memory as a kid. And, and just like remembering how bad it made me feel and how in my head as a kid, I thought, you know, you get a week with me out of the year and this is like the thing that you decide to take a stand on. Peas, come on. Yeah, <laughs> not even spending that much time with you. It's like, I can't imagine that that would be a valuable lesson. Yeah. And I, it's like, I can see why it would be important for parents to encourage kids to eat vegetables and to, you know, challenge them to do these things. But at the same time, I can also see 
the flip side of that, where if a kid just is really not invested, then you need to maybe have a, a secondary vegetable option. You know, mm -hmm. you need to have, you know, let them be part of the choice. Um, I've known parents. I remember a lady that I worked with for years, her son had some kind of, I, I don't know, I can't remember what the diagnosis was, but he basically would just eat one thing for months at a time. He wouldn't eat anything else. And so she had to feed him whatever that thing was because otherwise he wouldn't eat. He just wouldn't eat. And sometimes it was chicken nuggets. Sometimes it was fruit roll-ups. Like, it, you know, there's really no rhyme or reason to it. But, you know, that is an extreme on one side. And then the other side is, you know, making your kid, punishing your kid, trying to get them to eat. Like, no kid's going to respond well to that, yeah. in my opinion. Sometimes children on the spectrum are like that mm -hmm. with food. Or if they have those, um, those uh, sensory deprivation disorders and things where the food texture is unpleasant mm -hmm. to them. Wow, that's that's a lot. Yeah. And I remember when I was growing up, there was a lot of happy plate clubs, like clean your plate and you can mm -hmm. go play, clean your plate and you can have dessert. And now we know that a lot of that uh, kind of led to eating disorders or at least disordered eating. Mm -hmm. well, each one of these, I'm thinking of examples here. <laughs> Same. So the impact on children being raised with this parenting style, they may actually have higher levels of creativity because it sounds like the parent is giving them a lot of decision choice in, in this, but they often feel entitled because they're given so much choice and they're more often interested in taking in relationships rather than giving and they'll struggle academically and they tend not to appreciate authority or rules. They also frequently report higher levels of sadness and at, they're at a higher risk for health problems like obesity, probably because of all those things we just talked about in the meal uh, examples. And they lack regular exercise. They have poor sleeping habits, which makes a lot of sense if they're given the mm -hmm. choice. Ch children don't choose healthy most of the time. Children mm -hmm. are hundred miles an hour. They don't need to eat or sleep. And they fail to keep up with daily hygiene, such as brushing their teeth. You know, that's why the parenting is so important here. Yeah, I, like you said, I mean, I can see examples of all the way I was parented and all of these so far. So that's interesting. Mm -hmm. You get the good fortune of talking about the one that says is most recommended. Yes. So the fourth and final style is the authoritative style of parenting. And some of the statements that might sound familiar to you if you're practicing this or grew up around this, uh, you put a lot of effort into positive relationships with your child. You have rules and explain the reasons for those rules. Clear, you're clear about it. Um, you set limits and enforce consequences. So it's really important that kids understand, you know, boundaries and that there is there is a consequence associated with you know, abusing those limits. Um, you take your child's emotions into consideration. So you're aware of your kid's feelings and take that into consideration when you're coming up with rules, when you're coming up with consequences, all of those things. And I also think it's important and to remember that rules can change. Like it doesn't have to be, every kid doesn't have to be parented the same. I think that's really important. You know, kids are different. And because they're different, like maybe some of the rules may be a little bit different. I don't think mm -hmm. it should be huge, you know, big rules, but little things one child may do, another child may not struggle with, you know, mm -hmm. acting out versus not acting out. So just understanding that you do absolutely have to take your kids' needs into consideration. And I would imagine that like in this one, which is different than the other, where you 
if your child feels something, you change everything. Then in this one, you take it into consideration, but it may not always result in them getting what they want. Right. Very important. So authoritative parents follow a more preferred or healthy approach. Um, the style is considered to be ideal due to the combination of warmth and also the flexibility, while the parents are clearly in charge of the situation. So in this situation, the children of authoritative parents are going to know what's expected of them. So it's not a, you know, they're not trying to guess what, what the next step is. They, they have it outlined for them. It's clear. That's parents important. explain. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, parents take the time to explain the reasons for the rules and the consequences for breaking them. Um, it's not like that first one we talked about or because I said so kind of mentality. Um, and I think that can come back too to just like parents getting burned out and getting frustrated. And so it's just easier to say, you know, because I said so than it is to sit down and, you know, get eye to eye and actually have these conversations. That's, I and was that's thinking something... of that when you said that this one takes a lot of more energy. A lot more patience. Yeah. And so, you know, that's something good to mention is that, you know, a lot of the parenting um, studies and education talk about getting on your child's level, you know, instead of standing over them and talking about rules and consequences, actually getting eye to eye level with them. And it's easier for them to kind of accept and it's less intimidating. Yeah. So that's something that's kind of beneficial. Um, but the the parents listen to their children's opinions not only their feelings, but their opinions. They're allowed to have opinions. Uh, they develop close, nurturing relationships with their children. They're more reasonable and flexible. They set clear boundaries, but also encourage their child to be independent within the limits of those boundaries. They use discipline to be supportive rather than be punitive. They validate the emotions of the child. And the child, as the child gets older, their independence increases. So age-appropriate independence. Authoritative parents oftentimes take the time to educate themselves and keep up on the healthy and effective parenting styles. They invest time and energy into parenting and an attempt to prevent problems before they even begin. I like that. Get in front of it. <laughs> so our mealtime example is authoritative parents have family meals where parents model eating behaviors. They do not impose strict restrictions. Um, parents using the style include their children in the meal preparation. Um, for instance, the child might pick what's for dinner and then help kind of create the dinner. Kids that grow up with authoritative parents, they typically have a higher quality diet. They eat more fruits and vegetables, and this is very different than the other parenting styles. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, the impact children experience from the style of parenting is they have more highly developed self-control and self-reliance. Um, they tend to grow up confident, responsible, capable, um, capable of managing their emotions. Um, they're also often friendly, curious, and achievement-oriented. And research has shown that children being raised by authoritative parents tend to be happy and successful, and they're more likely to be good at making decisions. Sounds like a quality kid there. Yeah, I definitely get why that's the one you want to strive for. The benefits of authoritative parents, since we've already said that that is the, the healthiest one out of all of those, is that the this style, uh, the parents who use this style tend to be more kind and empathetic, and they tend to be, uh, and the children tend to be resistant to peer pressure. They also become more responsible than other 
parented children. And they're also able to self-regulate because they're making their own decisions. They make quality decisions when they begin to make their adult decisions. They also have respect for other people. They respect the rules. They're probably going to have fewer social problems than their peers. They get along with other people. They seem to like be more socially accepted as well. And they are secure. They have better relationships with their parents than the children that grow up in these other parenting styles do. Makes perfect sense. It does. With all of this information, it's a lot. How does somebody avoid messing their children up? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think on some level, you have to understand that you're going to make mistakes, right? I've never worked with a parent that doesn't have some kind of regret or, you know, wish they had done something different. So I think that's just part of the job. Um, But one thing you can really try to instill in your children is resilience. There's not parenting styles or any information that can guarantee a parent will produce a perfectly well-adjusted child. Like that's just, you know, there's not a book for that. Mm-hmm. Um, no one will make it through life without some kind of failure or disappointment. So it's important that everybody who experiences difficulties in life can kind of, that your parents can kind of equip you, equip the children with resilience and the ability to kind of bounce back from those failures or mistakes. That's failure true. is a part of life. I've said it before. You can't measure success without failure. Like it's going to happen. Just embrace it. Move on from it. Bounce back. So since everyone experiences failures, children can develop more resilience if they are given opportunities to try and to fail in a safe environment when they're growing up. And, and a great example was used in our, e- in our resource information was that like if a child decides to play video games instead of studying for a test, they're probably going to learn that prioritizing and, and managing their time is the smartest thing to do in the future. So if the if the child if the parent allows their child to stay home sick the next day because they failed to study for the test, then you're not giving the child the ability to to have that lesson. It's kind of just like a organic lesson. The child played video games instead of studying, so they fail the test. They're gonna know next time if I play video games instead of studying for the test, I'm gonna fail the test. Mm-hmm. So don't rescue them. That's probably one of the more difficult ones, I think, for parents to know that there's going to be a failure and know that there's going to be like a consequence and just to allow it to play out. It hurts. It hurts so bad. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Because I think as parents, you want to, you know, in most cases, you, you want to support and cushion the fall and, you know, do everything you can to keep your kids from feeling pain. Mm -hmm. But it, it is important for them to not always succeed. Mm-hmm. Hurts to see them hurt. Yeah, exactly. Well, something else to remember is their worth is not your worth. So a child's successes and failures are not a parent's successes and failures. A lot of parents believe how their children perform is a reflection of them. And the job of a parent is to provide a child with the tools they need without controlling the situation or believing the child's behavior is a reflection of them. I, <sighs> I see this a lot. A lot, a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, parents making decisions based on what other people are going to think, how their kid rea- reacts or responds. Mm-hmm. Not, not even what are they going to think of the child? What are they going to think of right. me as a parent? Exactly. Ugh. Exactly. So your worth as a parent is not dependent on how successful your child is. Really important to remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of people believe that, you know, if my child's successful and, you know, accomplished, then that means I did a great job. And it does. It does mean that you did a good job. But 
I've seen kids come from the same exact household where one kid's successful and one kid is not. And you, you know, it's, it's because we all have choices. We all have personalities. We all get to do what we want to do ultimately as we're growing up and learning. And so you do sometimes produce very different children, Absolutely. even when you've had the same structure and discipline in the home. Mm-hmm. And I think it also has to do with what you define as successful because some people are mm-hmm. completely happy, but they're not a CEO and their parents yeah, don't see them as successful, you know, but they're completely yeah. happy. Great point. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking back over your own childhood or you think I'm doing it the wrong way or I want to change, you can change your parenting style and don't swing the pendulum all the way in the other direction. It's best kind of that you go for the middle ground. So if you're wanting to change your parenting style, consider attending some parenting workshops, read some parenting books, go see a therapist who specializes in this and help helps helps you learn about child development and how to parent and then go see a therapist who can help you work through your issues from childhood so you don't parent out of your pain or trauma. So the bottom line, um, some of the most important healthy parenting takeaways from all of this hopefully will include clear communication and age appropriate standards. And that looks like, you know, setting clear boundaries and communicating them with your children, letting them know what the expectation is. Offer your children choices and have conversations about what is and is not appropriate. Listen to and talk to your child about their emotional health. Super important. Frequently and consistently express love and affection to your children. They need to know, they need to hear it, they need to see it, they need to feel it. And then use praise and positive reinforcement to encourage desired behaviors. Mm -hmm. I tell adults this all the time. Like when somebody does something nice for you or something changes in a relationship that you really appreciate, say it. Say, I really appreciate that. Like that was a really good job. That meant a lot to me. We all need that, want that in our lives. And it definitely encourages people to continue that behavior when encouraged to do so. A hundred percent. And I'll include in our show notes, uh, the link to the Mayo Clinic's guide to raising a healthy child. It's a pretty comprehensive guide that addresses the challenges that come with parenting today. So many challenges. Oh boy. (laughs) Like we said earlier, you know, it's not an easy job. I think parenting has got to be the hardest job there is out there you're responsible for this little person and their development um, but you do the best that you can you educate yourself and as we all know knowledge leads to a life flip better thank you for listening to life Lift better with paula and joseph